hello everyone this is saurabh here and this is the passionately curious podcast today i have with me michael feely michael is one of the most positive people i know like i have known in my life uh, to that extent that once in a meeting michael was telling me that he does not face self doubt he was joking but i actually took it seriously like that the the kind of personality he is it's very difficult to believe that he struggles with resistance or self doubt and michael is a life coach he lives in the beautiful island of saba on the eastern coast right michael of yeah it's just off the coast of uh, st martin and also uh, st barts so that gives you some locations it's about uh i don't know hour or two from miami yeah so uh, amazing place to visit and meet michael so two benefits of going there and michael is a coach in the creatives workshop set up by seth godin at akimbo.com so that's where i met him and that's how our relationship has developed over the last one year so michael welcome to the podcast and i'm really excited to have you here Well thank you so much. I'm thrilled to be part of this. I respect and love and admire your work. I've been very fortunate to uh see you work in various uh workshops I've been part of. So thank you. It's a great honor. Thank you. Thank you. So Michael, I want to start with a question uh what does work mean to you now in your career? what is work for you how do how would you define work or career or you can take it anywhere but that's the theme okay and it's a great question um you know for myself uh work for me is is two different paths that are still connected one is being a life career and change coach which i have worked at for, and built a business for about the past 12 years and also i am a owner of a real estate company here on Seba. So what that means is that, that I show properties, I try and rent properties to people who wish to visit the island, the beautiful island of Seba, and also selling land and properties and helping people to know whether the lifestyle of Seba is good for them on a tiny island. So for me, at this time in my life, it's more than a job, more than a hobby. more than even a career it's a vocation because and i learned this from liz gilbert uh who's written many books and and so forth but um it's really work that i love doing i'm happy to get up every morning and do this work i'm inspired by it um i feel it's work that matters and also work i'm proud of so that's part of the difference You know certainly in my life I have had jobs to make money to support myself to pay rent and classes that I took um I had dreams I went after and uh some of those dreams required me to uh take careers to make money again and the freedom to go after my dream my biggest dream was to be an actor and a singer in New York City in musicals and I went after that from the age of 11 till I succeeded at age 26 and became a professional actor and singer in New York City. So some of what I'm speaking about really is about going after your dreams, which is work, um fulfilling um a vocation, work that you're passionate about, and then also supplementing it with jobs that will pay the rent, so to speak. Yeah. There's so much interesting stuff that you mentioned and I am uh like i'm just thinking where to go next and i'm going to go where where it all began so you say you started like dreaming about becoming an actor and a singer at the age of 11 and yeah then 15 years uh later you actually became a professional actor and musician so michael i want to talk about from the perspective of a uh, a youngster who might be in their teenage years or early 20s or maybe 11 for that matter who dream of becoming a actor or a singer or a director writer i don't know like something and who feel the pressure of conforming to the traditional career paths like just to engineering mm-hmm. 
So you want to become a singer, sing as a hobby, like, and uh, like do your MBA or do the corporate job or something. So sure. I have two twofold question. One is, did you feel those pressures in this journey from eleven to twenty six? And if yes, then how did you handle them? And if you would have an advice on how how can a youngster look at these dreams and how can sure. they work on uh, becoming a professional great thank you for asking that um i'm a big believer that your dreams are real things and it takes work to get to a dream it doesn't just happen you can't sit around and keep going oh gosh i want to be able to uh, sing at the Metropolitan Opera, or I want to be able to run my own business without actually standing up, getting on your feet and doing the hard work. And it's hard work. The second thing is to really be aware of the dream. Is it a possibility for you? Is it a reality? Do you have the skills in order to do the job you hope to? Let's say that you uh, hope to be a singer, but you can't sing. You might take some lessons and it may not happen. There are other options, but again, it's your opportunity and your obligation to try, to study, to perfect the skills, to go after it. I knew from age 11 when I saw my first musical that that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to entertain people. It wasn't about taking a bow and certainly you hope that an audience likes you. It was about giving form to characters in plays. It was about um, expressing myself through words and music. And so I went after it full force. I studied music, I took lessons. I went to every audition I could in my local town. I worked with the community theater. I took walk-ons, I did chorus parts until I built up to becoming a leading man. And I, I studied in college, I went to college. My major was theater, acting, and music, and speech communication. And then I moved to the biggest city in the United States to actually try and work professionally to get into the unions. And I competed with people at all levels, but I was committed to it. And that's the big thing. Are you committed to it? And secondly, do you have an achievable or a doable plan? And it was really a business. I went out, I made headshots, uh, I took lessons, I went to auditions, I crashed auditions, I did whatever I could to have people see I was serious. I would sing at night, in nightclubs, I would act, I took whatever parts I could so that it would happen. And that's what I'm saying, so that if you have a dream to be a writer, you have a dream to be a firefighter, if you have a dream to run a restaurant, figure out what it's about, who's it for, what's it for, and go after it with facts. Make it real and work hard. Is it tough? Yeah, it is. But if you want it, I do believe you can achieve it in whatever capacity you go after. So I think that's some of what I'm saying. And in relation to a career and a job, acting was the career vocation I wanted. So I took other jobs to support myself. I worked in a bookstore. I cleaned apartments so that I had the freedom to go to auditions. Uh, all of those types of things, because my, I was focused on it. Didn't the job? I just wanted to make money. That was it. So yeah. that's sort of where I'm I'm heading. And then the same applies to later on in life. You may want to change careers or vocations, and still go after what will make you happy. I firmly believe you should be happy at the work you do. Yeah, that is such a beautiful thought. And unfortunately, there are so many people who are sure. like who do not get happiness from their work. So this yeah. is very uh, useful, uh, Michael. And I just want to go, like, just want to add a few things to what you said. Sure. When we say, is it a possibility for you? Is it do you have the skills? I think it's a two twofold. Uh, question for anyone who is listening. So one is the voice of self-doubt, the voice of resistance within us who might tell you that, oh, you don't have what it takes to be a businessman. You don't have what it takes to be mm -hmm. an actor. Separating it from the tangible skills. 
does acting like do if you don't act do you stop breathing like if you don't act for two weeks will you start feeling like something is wrong with the world like do you have because if you have that then you will keep working on it and keep becoming better at it but if sure. that is not there then it might be a case that you are looking at the glamour part of the mm-hmm. of becoming an actor or becoming a whatever but not not the work part not that i need to do this work and so i think uh, because i remember seth asks this question in the freelancers uh, course on udemy and he says that is it possible like is it possible and the first thing that came to my mind was the voice of self doubt the voice of resistance uh-huh. which said that he's telling you that are you even good enough he was not doing that that's what happened with me and yeah. then i realized that what he's asking is has anyone ever done this before are you willing mm-hmm. to put in as much effort as those guys have put in or exactly. are you wanting the outcome without putting in the hard work so that is uh, something i just wanted to add and uh, yeah this is really good and the thing that you talked about like not just the fact that michael feely wants to sing but the fact that michael feely wants to entertain mm-hmm. other people like it's not just about me like not michael mm-hmm. it's about serving people entertaining them creating stuff that entertains them and uh, yeah that was again very like a point that a lot of us can see what is your work for like if you say that i like to play cricket oh good but mm-hmm. what is it going to lead to like mm-hmm. uh, a lot of like this passion thing that has become a norm like find your passion thing leads mm-hmm. to a lot of selfish thinking uh, mm-hmm. like it's like oh do i like that do i even like that do i even like that instead of a service mindset a generous mindset of how can i serve how can i be of use how can i do more so yeah this is amazing uh michael how was it becoming an actor like how was success for you once you became an actor yeah just i want to like know how it felt and how it evolved well uh, first of all i'll say it was really challenging it was really hard work because um there was a lot of competition um and i don't mind competition and i'll say why i don't mind it it's because and you bring up an important point i practiced i studied i worked on my skills so that my confidence was strong so that when i walked into an audition with 50 60 maybe 200 different people i knew that the words that i would read the way that i held myself the uh song that i sang i was good at it wasn't ego it was fact i knew i had something and if it was something that somebody else wanted and benefited from then great and it's the same thing in any job if you're let's say you're a personal assistant and you have great computer skills you know you have good computer skills and somebody will value that if you're a customer customer service representative answering questions on a phone and you're willing to go miles and miles to make another person happy and to solve a problem then you know you're good and you put yourself out there so while it was challenging and many doors were shut to me and some people say well you're not in the union you're sort of young uh keep going i was like okay great but i was goal oriented see me let me talk to you i was bold i crashed auditions i wasn't in the union and i made friends with backdoor stage managers and i said let me into this audition get me in here and then i would sing and people would start responding i started to get roles way in the background in the chorus but that didn't matter to me i was there and people who said i like you and made a call back or asked me to come back for a second or a third audition it showed me that i had value and i was testing it 
if I wasn't getting callbacks, if I wasn't being asked, then I had to sit with myself and really say, maybe I'm right for this and maybe I'm not. Fortunately, my skills, my desires, even my physical appearance enabled me to get into auditions. And I'll, I'll tell you a story. I always felt I had to have an agent. I had to get an agent. You have to get through the, the gatekeepers. So I had, I got a couple of really good agents, really top people. And one day there was an audition for a national Broadway tour of a musical called Shenandoah. And in it, there is a solo called The Only Home I Know. And I was perfect for it. I could sing hell out of that song. And it was a union job, but I was gonna crash the audition. So I called my agent and the agent says, you're never gonna get it. So there was resistance from the man who's supposed to believe in me. I had my own evil resistance that were saying, oh, all these union people are gonna get the job before you. Even my friend said, you haven't paid your dues. Be prepared, you're not gonna get it. In my heart, I knew I was gonna get it. So I went to the audition at eight in the morning. I climbed the stairs. All these union actors were there. I signed up on the list and I waited all day. I waited till four o'clock. I didn't even go out to lunch. I waited for four o'clock to go in and sing this song. And the director came out and he said, thank you, ladies and gentlemen, a room filled with hundreds of people. We've cast the show, thank you for coming. <clears throat> I stood up and I said, no, you have to wait a minute. You have to hear me sing. And when you hear me sing, you're gonna give me the job. And the room was still. And the director said, okay, come on in. So I went in, I sang the song, everybody was quiet. He talked to the musical director, he talked to the assistant director. He turned to me and said, the part is yours. And I got my union card and my dream came true. And it was because I was bold. I had real belief in myself. I went after it and it was hard. It was challenging. I knew I was gonna get it. I was thrilled that I got it. I worked with tremendously professional high-end stars in this program, uh, this show. I toured the country. I fired my agent. I went back and said, you don't believe in me? Goodbye, that was it. So what I'm saying is, yes, go after your dreams. You've got to work hard. There is resistance. Myself said, maybe you're not right. There's hundreds of people. Why don't you just quit? Even the agent said I should quit. My friend said I should quit. But I believed in myself because I knew I had skills and I had tested it. Again, I bring it up. I was getting responses for my skills. People saw that I could do the job. And that is so important for any job, as I've said. So I hope I answered the question about resistance or that inner critic, that heckler that says, you're not as good as you think you are. Get off the stage, give him the hook. Yeah, this is this is such an amazing story. Like uh, my eyes lit up on just hearing it. And yeah, like, and I can now- and You know, I'll, I'll interrupt for just a second. One of the things is I had a desire to study at certain schools. I had a desire to work with certain people. Um, and so I went after it. I would just call them. I would write them letters. I would say, I'd like to work with you. I want to sing with you. I want to study with you. I want to learn from you. And some of them would say no. And I would still go after them. And I said, wait, just meet me. Just talk to me. And then often it would happen because they saw a desire in me. They, we would talk. So that's what I'm saying is start at the top. Just ask people. Don't wait to be picked. And that's something I learned from Seth Godin. Pick yourself. Be your own empresario. Open your own doors. Create your own musical. You know, create your own stage plays. Create your own blog. Go out there and write your own book and publish it. You know, get on YouTube. But pick yourself. So that's what I feel. So sorry to interrupt, but that was that leads to some of the questions you were asking. Oh, but that's beautiful. Like going after the desire. I, I just want to follow up with a quick question for this. Uh, what role did your family or your upbringing play in Great. you being able to show up? And what message would you have for the parents of teenagers, of youngsters on how to nurture them and how to help them succeed in their career? Beautiful and deep and kind questions. All of us have to realize that within our hands, when somebody is looking up to us or asking for approval or asking for advice, 
in life, we have an obligation to support and encourage them in the best way possible, not to shatter dreams. And unfortunately, friends and family, teachers can shatter a dream saying, you know, it's a tough road, really, you should become a teacher. You better have something to fall back on. And while there's an important um, goodwill in that, that a family or friends don't want you to suffer, there's also the matter of don't shatter a dream. If somebody wants to play piano, don't say, well, you can't play piano, you're too young, or you don't have the skills. Why not say, great, go after it. The great teachers that I had that other people did, parents and friends were, go after it, try it, see how it works for you, find your way. Um, my parents um, definitely supported me. Um, I didn't have an easy home life growing up. Things were not just always easy. We didn't have a lot of money, you know, but my family always said, go after your dreams, work hard. You know, you want to do it, go get a job, make money to buy that bike. You know, you want singing lessons? I can't afford them, but, you know, go out there, get a job and pay for them. Even if you only got one singing lesson a month, that was still it. You paid for it. You respected it. So my parents did encourage it. They also wanted me to get a, a, a good education so that I could do other things, but they never opposed my desires. They supported me emotionally and as much financially as they could. So that's what I say in terms of if your family or friend is not supporting you the way you do, you don't have to cause conflict, but really it's your life. Go after doing what you're doing and also let them know that you're successful. My parents saw me succeeding, so they were even prouder of it. They saw me succeeding as a young child singing solos in the choir at age 10. They saw me getting parts and plays. So they knew that something was working and they encouraged me. So I say, you know, and it's, it's in business, it's in everywhere. You know, friends are friends and they like to give advice, but it's your life. Go after doing what you hope to do, but make sure again that you're practicing, you're working hard. You're getting the skills so that you can get ahead. I, I totally agree with whatever you're saying. And uh, last one year for me, uh, I have experienced two communities, one in Akimbo. Another is the one with my students at Passionately Curious, uh, where I have like, I, 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 for the first time in my entire life, so ooh, this is also something people can do. Like mm -hmm. for most of the last 10, 15 years, the role people played was how to counter my ideas, how to tell me, oh, you're charging too much, charge less. Oh, you're doing this. How will it work? Explain to me how it will work. Why would anyone buy from you? Why would anybody change? Sure. And what I've also realized is that it's very, very important. Like you have to, I, I know like Liz Gilbert talks about your idea is not your baby, but in the beginning it is. Once you turn it into a book or a play or a mm -hmm. movie or anything, then yes, that uh, goes away. But in the beginning, you have to protect your idea. You can't just go and share it with your friends and family, especially if they are not working on their ideas. Exactly. Because yeah. if someone is working on their creativity, if someone is putting in the hours, then they are mindful of how, how challenging it is to come up with a joke, come up with a new joke. And, yeah. and if you say, oh yeah, that was not that funny, which means that you have never made a joke. Like you have never worked on making a joke. So Seinfeld uh, in his book, uh, he wrote a book, Is This Anything last year? And he said mm -hmm. that he would work on a joke for like every day for months. So he would exactly. keep refining it, keep refining it, keep refining it till it started hitting it. And that exactly. is the kind of effort that it takes. And yeah, and the family... I think, like I feel in 2022, especially like maybe 30 years ago, world was not like that. But today, the, the, the generation that is coming up is, is so like there is so much possibility that the previous generation might not even like can't even start to grasp on what they are learning, what they are doing, what their potential is and how much they can grow, not only financially, but 
in all ways so i think a lot of things that come to my mind is how you can not impose your conditioning on your kids true true and it's you bring up an important point because every person's an individual um yeah. you may give birth to a child but they're still their own person they come into the world with their own thoughts and feelings and desires and you hope that they do well and you hope they you can teach them ethics and justice and uh, a fair work ethic and all of that and yet at the same time they're an individual um and it's important to as a family and friends to want to know who this person is to understand them and support the best things in them and i think that's some of what you're pointing to and also to know that um you know for an example like you know i studied music i you know as an actor you had to have a ballad you had to have an uptune you had to have a monologue serious comic i would rehearse a song over and over again so that it was so much of me that i could sing it hanging upside down if i had to it was just part of me i could sing it through a cold i could sing it if i was hoarse i just could i had technique and i knew how to do it and that is true about any job as to the skills I was 20 years studying and working as an actor in New York City and then I made a transition into other careers. I went into um the travel industry and that was by my choice. I had an opportunity. But all of the skills, the studying, the technique, the um putting myself in the shoes of another character or a song all applied to customer service in a creative area of travel. then years later i also ended up being a recruiter i was a headhunter for over 20 years finding people jobs but all of the skills from the time i was 11 till then were applicable it was having empathy for people it was looking at the words of their resume to understand who they are and what they wanted it was trying to get them a job not just to have them make a living which is essential but to get them a job that they loved where they felt expressed and respected you know if a person wanted to change a job from financial history into creative like publishing or even advertising some people said i can't do it i don't have the skills if you have the desire and you can work with people everything you have learned previously is applicable there and you can show it and it's a matter of whether you want it and also to let a person go go hey you know my resume isn't what you think it's going to be but meet me and talk to me and when you're finished you're going to see that i can do this job i can transfer from financial into publishing everything works so and that includes with your friends to have them support you all the way along yeah and uh, yeah and and not to hide behind certificates and degrees like a lot of time people think oh i want to go to publishing but instead of getting into publishing they were like no i'll go and do this xyz degree and that degree will allow me to and it's a like dead end like they yeah uh, just find you bring up yeah it's it's a great point that you bring up because that's part of resistance feeling like well i need to um get a a masters in order to be seen seriously uh i need to have an internship in order to be taken seriously and get another job and it's not always true you know uh if you look at some of the the businesses that people created even you know facebook he didn't go out and he just had an idea and he created it and he went forward if you look at the olympics you know many years ago uh michelle kwan won every medal in the world and she was supposed to win the gold medal and out of the blue comes tara lipinski no experience and she wins the gold and nobody said excuse me tara you can't win because michelle was supposed to win you know it's about your desire it's about creating opportunities or when an opportunity comes up to take it and run with it go with it what have you got to lose you're picking yourself you're doing the best you possibly can you know and for myself that was with acting you can't say no to me after you hear me give me the job you will and they could have said no and they didn't and it was the same thing when i went into other careers if i wanted to work in a with a certain company as a headhunter i went after them i would call them i would talk to them i'd send them a resume i did whatever i could to get them as as a client and then also at the same time sometimes i would get what i wanted and it wasn't right for me i didn't want it and so i walked away from it 
I said no after I got a certain part or I was working with somebody or I got a certain company and it wasn't working out. I was not afraid to say, this is not working for me. Let me refer you to somebody else or I'm going to step away from this. Please fill this job with someone else. You have choices. And that's what you're saying is you have choices in your life. What you want to do, who your friends are. You can make a commitment, start it, make a plan and go forward. It's, yeah. it's up to you have more power than you realize. Yeah. Yeah. Few things that I just want to reiterate so that they really like sink in. Mm -hmm. city in the face of things not going for you and you standing up and saying, you know, listen to mm -hmm. me. And even if there's a voice inside you who's saying, what if they don't select you? And mm -hmm. there are like 100 people looking at you and mm -hmm. but audacity, but audacity, not alone audacity, because you have put in the hours before becoming audacious. Like you have worked in the background, on your skill, on uh, serving your audience, on seeing what works, on seeing what doesn't work, on consuming music, on listening to legends, mm -hmm. on learning the vocabulary. There is so much hard work that, mm -hmm. uh, but if you do the hard work, that is also a problem that a lot of people do the hard work, but then they remain in the background and they are not willing to raise their hand and say, let me click that photograph or let me uh, right true right they just accept it as a sign from the universe oh i came to this audition and they already selected oh bad luck michael bad luck next time maybe right a lot of and there would have been i i, I guess there may have been a few people in 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 the in the auditions that day who might yeah. have had it, might mm -hmm. have had the skill, but they did not have the courage to right. uh, raise their hand and say that, you know what, you need to listen to me. So these are two things that are coming. The third thing that is coming is that things can change. Mm -hmm. That uh, like, you work for 15 years to become an actor and a singer, but over time you have grown as a human being because you are a subjective uh, living being. You're not an object. You're not some like a multiple uh, answer question. You're not like, oh, okay, well, who is Michael Feely? Actor, singer, this, this. And you're like, okay, I've picked that and now that's it. So that thing is also resonating so much that you can play with it. You can, right. Right. Uh, you can just say, ki, oh yeah, I wanted this when I was 11. I worked on it. I got it. But now I think mm -hmm. I want something else. Exactly. And you bring up a great point. It's okay to want something else. You're not betraying who you are. You're just adding to yourself and going in another direction. And the choice I made to stop my career um, came because... Um, I had made choices to stay in New York City, not to travel with touring shows and travel around the country. I wanted to be noticed and work in New York City for various reasons. Some of that also had to do with I had a personal relationship that mattered to me, and I didn't want to be away from the person that I loved. I wanted to be able to be with this person. So I made choices to stay, which was more challenging, but doors opened for me. Modeling doors opened. I was in, involved with some high-end modeling companies to make money. And the other aspect was, is that I finally had an audition uh, as the repra replacement on Broadway as the Phantom in Phantom of the Opera. It was a big honor to be even asked to audition. So I prepared, I did the audition, I gave a great job. As far as I was concerned, I didn't get the part. And at that point, I made a choice and I said, I'm going to stop. I've had enough. I've done enough. I don't want to wait around for this one job that might come up every six years or something, I'm going to stop my career and move on. And it certainly was not an easy decision, but for me, it was the right decision. I had come as far as I wanted to, and as Seth Godin often writes in his book about the dip, that I had been through various dips, and I was in what was a cul-de-sac for me. 
it was a choice of like, am I in a dead end? Am I going to go further? Do, am I beating a dead horse? Am I giving too much energy to something that I don't want? And it's just those same words that you said, maybe you changed and you want something different. And I did. I wanted something better. I wanted to have a better effect on people's lives. I'm very service oriented. So I wanted to give my service and my skills in other ways to help other people. And some people said, oh, you quit finally? And I was like, I didn't quit. Sure, if you want to use the word is there. It was my choice. I came far. I'm proud of where I, my work was and the reputation I have in the city. But it's time for me to move on. And so we come back again to resistance with friends saying, oh, you quit. You finally quit. I'm like, well, thanks very much. Thanks for the great hope. You know, it would have been different if you had turned to me and said, you had a great career. Congratulations. I understand why you're making a change. You know, there's a difference there. Actually, I think a lot of it has to do with our self-image and mm. how are we feeling love for ourselves? Like if someone mm -hmm. is coming to you and saying, oh, you quit. Oh, you failed. Like uh, they, that's an indicator of their negative self-image like because a lot right. of time people are trying to assess their self-worth by measuring it against the people around them right right so it, because you bring they, up a great point yeah. of measuring your self-worth by other people you know we can either go with a negative bias attitude or we can go with a positive bias attitude and for me it was uh, I was successful. I got where I wanted to go. And now I want something different, which is what you're saying is different from I quit. And it's, you know, it's the same th attitude that you could have of like, either I succeed or I failed, or I hope to succeed. Uh, I hope not to fail. Thank you very much. You know, yeah. it's a choice is what you're saying. And I really respect that. It's up to you. Yeah. And, and it also comes, Michael, like what I'm, uh, I, I've already like, uh, interacted with you a lot but today it's something different because I'm seeing more of you today and what I'm getting is that since your childhood there has been an internal compass for you mm -hmm. so it was like oh I want to take my car there and I am going there and it doesn't mm -hmm. matter that your car is going that side. I'm, I'm not even concerned where your car is going. I, if that is the journey you're taking, I will definitely wish you well. I will mm -hmm. help you emotionally and however I can, but my journey is here and my journey is not dependent on what people around me are doing. Right. So exactly. that internal compass, when it grows, that allows you to take decisions without worrying about what XYZ would say. But for a, right. for a lot of people, because they don't have that internal compass, because they have always looked at, oh, where, what was my rank in the class? What was my grade? What was, how much income do I have? What car do I have in contrast to my neighbor's car? Mm -hmm. Right. So mm -hmm. that kind of vibe, actually that, like if anyone is doing that, I would say that's just kills creativity. That right. just, right. that is like resistance that supercharges the negative feeling and it really kills the power to sit down and do our work. So, right. And, and you're bringing up a good point about, you know, yourself feeling about who you are and other people. One of the important things I learned in my life, and I'm still working on it, is finding out who am I? And then the second question is, and what do I want? So I'm trying to understand myself, my skills, my personality, who I am in this world. And that's everything from being a, a white gay man to um, being uh, you know, a, a brother, being a partner, being a husband being a, a real estate agent, being a life coach, all of those things represent me. And, you know, they, some of them were great struggles in my life, but I firmly believe, and you're pointing to this very much, and it's what's so exciting, is you have to know yourself. You've got to be able to be confident no matter what the rest of the world says, because people might misjudge you. They may even bully you. They may even say, you can't, you can't, you can't. And you go, 
don't tell me I can't, at least let me try, you know, it's my life. And that's the important thing. It's your life, your feelings, your thoughts, go after knowing yourself and protecting yourself and giving yourself to the world. Yeah, I, I, and I love that. And I just want to add one more thing uh, to, sure. to, to what you said. So I think who am I are two questions. Mm -hmm. Who am I? What is it that does not change mm -hmm. in me? Mm -hmm. What is it that is constant? And second is who am I now? Mm -hmm. mm. Great because point. When we say who am I, uh, a kind of assumption is that that means you have a static answer. Oh, this is mm -hmm. who I am. But in six months from now, Michael, you are going to be a different person and I'm going to be a different person. But True. there is going to be a significant core to our identity that is going to remain. Like you are going to be creative. I am going to be creative. You are going to be positive. I'm going to be positive. That's not going to change. But maybe I'm working on a book right now and I'm in a author's mindset and you are like into, I don't know, adventurous books and you're like, oh, I'm loving that right now. Yeah. So, so uh, there are these two things that we need to, what is transient and what is permanent and right. understand this, like these two components of our identity. Right. And, Excellent. And, yeah, uh, you make you make a great point. I, I think some of what you're referring to is like, these are my core values too. This is what I know I will and will not do in my life. And then change comes up, an opportunity may come up, uh, a, a class may change you, uh, moving to a different area or slightly changing your work and offering something new. You're 100% correct. You're, you're changing, you're growing, you're learning. You're not static as you were saying. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. This is amazing. I'm loving this discussion. Uh, Me too. My, yeah, Michael, I want to know uh, throughout your life, uh, how have books, how have mentors, how have coaches uh, helped you? Were you reading from a very young age? And uh, uh, then I also want to go into your how you got to interact with Seth how that relationship has developed but before that like because you 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 said and did a lot of right things in a very young age and uh, so i want to like decode it i want to break it down and make it accessible like one is yes that was michael feely magic oh he was born like that you know Right. The other is, so one component I'm getting is supportive parents. I, I, I think that in itself is such a big deal. Like if, if your parents support you and if it's an impossible task, impossible, it is going to become possible just by the mere fact that your parents say, kid, go do it. And yeah, yeah so that is a big factor, but Apart from it, what were your influences over your life? Yeah, this is uh, such an important question. You know, and I will say, I'll share something with you. Um, while my parents supported me to do whatever I wanted and they were good, um, life at home was not easy. My mm -hmm. dad unfortunately suffered from alcoholism. It was not, not easy living that way. And my parents didn't have a happy marriage. But, um, and I share that because I don't want to look like Oh, he, he had privilege. Yeah. Um, it, it wasn't, but to answer your question, I made choices early about how I was gonna live my life. Under adversity, I was going to live as happy as I possibly could. I was going to do what I wanted as best as I could under the terms of adversity. You know, I had a serious childhood illness that you know, impeded me in my uh, physical activity for many years. Then later on, I had questions about being a gay man. And in the time that I was growing up, it was very challenging. You didn't talk about it. So I had all of these um, questions and uh, pain and uncertainty, but I didn't want it to stop me. I was gonna be happy on my terms. So I went after acting, that made me happy. I went after certain being in relation to certain people. 
friends of mine who supported me, who were friendly. So that's some of what you're talking about. That was part of people who helped me. Then I started to study um, art and music and the teachers that I worked with encouraged me tremendously. And the teachers that I loved were the teachers who were very demanding. They were tough critics, but they were fair critics. They said, Michael, it's not good enough. Or you didn't practice this week, get out. Don't even come back until after you practice. I loved that because they cared enough. They cared enough to fight for the best thing in me. So I always went after that in my friendship uh, with my mom and dad, even though there were challenges, they still supported me. The teachers I worked with, the people I studied with in school. And you know, school was not easy for me. Yeah, did I get good grades? Yeah, but I had to work hard at it. It didn't come naturally. But I was a creative person in a school where everything was like, you have to take biology, you have to take geography, you have to do mathematics. And I was like, why? I just wanna sing, act and dance. Well, you can't do that, Michael, till after school. And I would be like, they didn't encourage a certain kind of creativity. So I mentioned these things to say, you may have adversity or challenges in your life, but you can get around them by the choices you make. It's not always easy. But then you have friends, you have family, you find people who are encouraging the best things in you and you will go after it and you can make it work. So I, I hope that answers some of your question. In terms of reading, I wasn't a good reader. Um, uh, I had problems reading, but I loved television and movies. And I learned a tremendous amount about acting and singing from watching movies and entertaining and who I cared for, they became, certain people became heroes for me. The same as to teachers. There were certain teachers when I went off to college and also went to New York City, professional teachers that I wanted to work with. And, so, and there were companies when I was a headhunter that I wanted to work with. And I went after that. Even though doors were shut to me, I still went after it. So I hope that answers some of what you're saying, that even in adversity and challenges, you can still work hard to get what you want. Yeah. And to some extent, those challenges like push us because we understand that if we don't do the work, then then there's nothing like things will not get better on their own or things will. Exactly. Like you're, you're right. Yeah. And uh, yeah, one thing I just wanted to like the thing that you mentioned about watching television and movies and using that as a medium to learn that is really beautiful and i just want to go deeper into that is mm -hmm. there is a difference between watching movies or anything as a leisure activity and watching it as a learning activity mm -hmm. very good yeah and uh, so like a lot of people would say, oh, yeah, I've watched 12, 12 hours of binging on Netflix. But was it a leisure activity? Was it a learning activity? Because if it was a learning activity, you can't do it for 12 hours. Right. Because that right. needs so much engagement. Like if you are watching it as a student, yeah, and it would need so much engagement that, oh, in this dialogue, this pitch went here and then there. Oh, his eyes expression were this. And exactly. It it like even for a five-minute scene, your brain would like just simply go in a different whoa. And and which also brings about a point that learning is all around us. So a lot of times we we don't learn, we say we are waiting. Uh, for for the right course, the right certificate, mm -hmm. the right degree. Oh, I want to do this, you know what, uh, this $1,000 course on acting and my father is not letting me do that. You, you have YouTube, you can watch like, uh, uh, I don't know, any actor, you can just watch that clip again and again and again and you can it's say- true. Yeah. It's very true. And you know, you also have an imagination. I think we we don't always think about our own imaginations and how imagination can teach us things and we can learn. You know, part of the choice I made as a child was to be alone a lot, but I had a vivid imagination. You know, you give me a stick and I was like a pirate in a tree killing people, you know, and protecting myself. I had a great imagination. It was one of my best friends. Um, and then in terms of watching TV, yes, 
it was entertaining, but I watched dance steps. I watched certain actors who were heroes of mine, like Claude Rains was a hero of mine, you know, and I would study him and he played evil parts and I was really interested in this. So I had, uh, I learned a lot, a lot of classics, like many of the books that I didn't read were in movies. And so I learned about Dickens. I learned things about Shakespeare. I watched things and I learned things about rhythms and cadence. People would be singing, men and women. And I would be like, wow, I, I would love to sing like that. Listen to that high note. Watch how he's doing this. You know, isn't that incredible? So you're right. We are always choosing to learn every single time. And it's that difference about, am I just gonna use my life to uh, sit on Facebook for two or three hours? Or am I going to use my life to learn something? You know, very often I will open up a YouTube or a TED talk for the purpose of learning who is this person and how are they using their lives? What does it mean to give a TED talk? You know, if I'm studying what it means, uh, racial justice, I would go on and look at YouTubes about people talking about what is racism, what is justice. Those are things I'm interested in in my life and in my work. So I'm going after it. It's not just merely entertainment or to waste time. I'm a lifelong learner and that's a choice of mine, you know, and can I get challenged? Sure. Sometimes I'm tired. I'm like, I just want to watch a movie and not think. I don't want to answer the phone. I just need an hour to myself. Thank you. And that's okay too, you know? Yeah. And uh, yeah, I just wanted to like, uh, <laughs> I forgot what I was uh you wanted to yeah. talk a little bit about, oh, go ahead. Yeah, I wanted to talk about the imagination part that you said and how important. So Tim Ferriss had written this uh, article as a follow-up to Paul Graham's article on maker's block and manager's block. And uh, his article was make before you manage. And mm -hmm. basically what he's saying is put your phone on airplane mode before you sleep. Mm -hmm. In the morning, until you have done something creative, don't turn back your internet connection on. Whether, right. So what is like uh, in today's time, uh, imagination doesn't work if we are not bold. Mm -hmm. Imagination and creativity happens because our brain is bold and now it's creating something so that it's not bold. But when we like keep sending it random stimuli through social media, through uh, different means that we don't give that space to imagination. And it's such, a, such an important part of a career because imagination leads to possibilities and possibilities lead to movement towards those possibilities. But if you're always in all your waking hours, if you're always having that stimuli coming towards you that X is doing that and Y is doing that and something is happening, then you don't give yourself that space that your brain needs for you to experience a higher kind of life, like higher quality of life. And you bring up a good point about imagination and uh, letting it run you whatever. We are thinking all the time, whether we are aware of it or not, we're constantly thinking. And the same is about our imagination. Our imagination is constantly working because we are thinking and we can tune into it as we get to know ourselves and say, why is this uh, idea keep coming to mind? Why does this song, the words of a song keep coming to mind? Why do I wanna watch this movie? Why am I impelled to call my friend and talk about this subject? A lot of it is innovation, uh, initiative, imagination that we can tune into. And I'm glad you bring up the matter of uh, turning phones off and that we're in the field of uh, a daily practice. We're in the field of restorative practice. You know, um, we should all have that. I encourage it that you have something in your life where you take care of yourself physically and emotionally. Um, you know, my example is that at a certain time at the end of the day, usually around seven o'clock, I shut my computer off, I shut my phone off, I'm, I'm free until the morning. And when I get up in the morning, I have some early breakfast, I watch the sunrise every day, I do meditation anywhere from 15 minutes to 45 or an hour, depending upon what's happening, because I get answers through meditation, I center myself, and then 
I open my phone and then I look at my emails. And some people will say, but, but, but what if we need to reach you early? I go, if it's an emergency, I have a home number and I have some feeling you're going to get to me sooner or later. You know, so I'm trusting of that. But you bring up a really good point about what are we doing to maintain our well-being and our health and creating a daily practice, which can include writing, creating, painting, dancing, servicing, organizing, walking dogs, uh, driving an Uber, whatever it is, you have a responsibility to care for yourself in the work you do. Yeah, Michael, I, I am so like, I am finding this conversation so interesting. I, I think we should do a follow up to this. Uh, I'd love that. Yeah, I want to ask you one uh, question. Uh, like for me, my interaction with Seth, uh, like I have uh, through his books, through the Akimbo workshops and they have really transformed my life in the last 12 months. Like uh, this is marketing is like, I, I just ask everyone to read that book because that one book can change your life. Like you can just transform everything according to that. And I want to know how has your experience been? Like, how did you get to know about Seth Godin? And now when you have interacted with him, maybe in person or on Zoom, how has that uh, relationship been for you? Thank you. Uh, I'm so glad you asked this. And also I will say, you know, uh, working in the workshop as a creative coach and personally working with you, I see the changes in you. You worked hard in those workshops. You benefited from it. You also gave back to the community and you still are. That's why you're doing this podcast. So I respect and admire the changes that you have worked on in your own life through your study with Seth Godin and the Akimbo workshops and other ones. So I just wanted to acknowledge to the people listening, you do the work and you create and you're not easy on yourself, but you are looking for something and you're offering something in the work you do to other people. So I applaud you. I celebrate your life. I'm grateful to you uh, for the way you have changed and also encouraged my own life. Thank you so much. That means. Yeah. And I mean that wholeheartedly. Uh, I admire you very, very much. And in terms of my relationship with Akimbo and Seth Godin, uh, for a long time, I was uh, following his daily blogs and they were valuable to me. And then uh, in May of 2017, into my inbox comes an announcement about a workshop called the Marketing Seminar. And I had just opened up uh, a real estate company on Save. I knew nothing about marketing. And I said, well, I'm going to sign up for this because if anybody knows something about marketing, it's going to be Seth Godin. So I signed up for it. I didn't know what it was about. It changed my entire life. So I worked very hard in it on the prompts and everything. I met fabulous people that I'm still in contact with. Working with a cohort and a community of people is part of the huge success of those workshops. And it changed me uh, very much. And so I kept taking workshops. Every time Seth would offer something like uh, uh, the freelancers workshop or bootstrappers, were, I was right there. I signed up right away. I was like, this is so much fun, you know? And when they turned into like a hundred days with 50 videos, I was like a marathon for me. And then uh, this past year, January, this past year out of the blue, the Akimbo um, owners of the Akimbo company approached me and asked me if I would like to coach in their workshop. And for me, it was a dream come true. For many years, I had wanted to coach at a high level of groups. I wanted to coach, I coach, you know, individual people on life, career, and change. And I wanted to coach groups. And I had been approached by various companies, but I didn't feel they had the integrity uh, that I needed. The material wasn't always great. And also they just wanted to benefit from me without really knowing they wanted me to manage me. I want you to coach this way. I want, and I didn't want to do it. And so when the Akimbo Workshop Foundation or business came forward, I said, it's an opportunity because one, the material was spectacular. It was superb. Two, it was highly organized. And I love organization. Three, the people were incredible, professional, friendly, supportive. You know, and out of that, it was based through how Seth Gordon, uh, Seth Godin sees himself in the world as a teacher. And I respected that. So I had an opportunity to get everything I was looking for. 
And the beautiful thing was, is that they respected my work as a coach. And they also encouraged me by saying, just do what you have done in other workshops. That's why we are hiring you because of how you approach the workshops. So that's in a basic way, how I became a coach. And I've been working now, I'm going into my, into my fourth session with the creative workshop at the end of January, I'm finishing one now, but um, it's just incredible for me. And you know, I'm 70 years old, I'm not quitting. Uh, I just celebrated a 70 year birthday, but I have a lot more to do. I see myself as a mature elder, as vintage, just getting better and better. And I have more to learn and more to offer. So I'm not quitting. I'm just resetting. I'm reorganizing. I'm reinventing myself, the R words. So uh, thank you for asking this great question because uh, I feel tremendous gratitude for the way my life is going. Yeah, I can I can relate to so many things there. Like, uh, I think it's been one and a half years for me. And I, I, there hasn't, like, I don't want there to be a day when I'm not a part of one or the other Akimbo workshop. I've already taken the freelancers workshop. I've taken the creatives workshop. I've done the marketing. I'm doing the marketing seminar and I'm doing the bootstrappers after this. So, and and they pay like these workshops, especially marketing seminar, yeah, freelancer workshop. They like, they are like immediate returns. Like what you invest in terms of monetary terms, you apply one lesson, and that amount will just like come much before the workshop is even over. Like Right, exactly. And you're so right. And in every single workshop, it was life changing for me. Uh, you know, I always say nobody on the face of the earth, and I've taken a lot of really important and good uh, workshops, but nobody stretches me. Yeah, the way that Seth Godin does. There's new thoughts. There's new ways of seeing. He takes me outside of the status quo of learning. Uh, you know, he asked me to think about my audience in a new way. Like one of the things I valued most in the marketing seminar was I learned that I didn't have to go after spamming the world to get clients. I could go after my smallest viable audience, that there was an audience for Michael Feely's work as a coach that didn't have to be millions of people. And I have, you know, a base of that and I'm still building it. So that was one element that I could relax into and say, I don't need the world in a certain way. I only need a certain amount of people or audience or fans that I can work with who get my work and benefit from it. And the other thing that I learned was empathy, how to have empathy as a business owner and person, meaning can I put myself in the shoes of my clients? Can I know what they like, what they love, what they dream about, even what they're afraid of? What is the artwork on their walls? What music do they listen to? Um, where do they like to go to dinner? What concerts do they go? All of those demographics and psychographics are important to know as you create your business and you go after your audience. Empathy is so crucial. Yes, yes, yes. And uh, yeah, I, I would love to go deeper into all of these things because right. there's so many, there's so <laughs> many, yeah, there's so many layers to this discussion because I feel like, because even Michael Feely's audience uh, has to be determined by Michael Feely. And that comes to the self-awareness part that we were talking about earlier. Like who would Michael Feely like to serve? And then, then from there we can say, oh, okay, this person. Now Michael Feely gets aside and talks about the person that he wants to serve. So this is right. amazing. This has been inspiring. This has been, uh, there's so many like things I am taking out from this conversation. And I, I hope the audience, and I, I know that the audience who would listen to this would like, can start seeing themselves, their careers in a different way. And some of them, I hope all of them are able to raise their hand and say, no, you have to listen to me saying, and then you're going to select me. And exactly. Yes. Get off that bench. Don't sit on the bench waiting to be picked. Don't stand in the wings. Step out on center stage. You've got nothing to lose. And just say, just listen. 
This is what I have to offer. It's valuable as far as, and if it's not for you, okay, raise your hand. Let me know it's not for you. I'll find other people, but I'm sure about this because, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll close a little bit as we come to the end here saying we each get one life. You get one chance to live the life you are living now. You can't go back and reinvent it in a, and say, I'm going to start over. You just have to go ahead and you have to make your life matter. And you make the choices that you best you can to have and live the best life you possibly can. It's in your hands. It's all up to you. So take it and run because you only have one life. Make it matter. That is beautifully put, Michael. I can't tell you how grateful I am for you to take this time. And I would love to have this conversation like go forward in a in Great. a future episode whenever we can uh, find time. And thank you so much. Thank you. you do amazing work. I'm so grateful you asked me to be present in your podcast. Keep going. You're doing great work. I'm more than happy to uh, assist you any way that I can in, in future podcasts, whatever. I'm wide open to that uh, to help you. But thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for being the person you are, asking deep and important questions and creating change for people's lives as you encourage them to be who they are and to go after doing what they want to do with sensibility and truth and facts and building a plan so that they can get to what they want. It is possible. Thank you so much for this. It means the world to me. Thank you so much, Michael. You're very welcome. Enjoy the rest of your day. I'll see you soon. See you. Bye. Bye-bye now.